Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is November 27, 2019. Got the All-22 film review done. The video is up on YouTube. It's rather long one. I think it's about a half hour. You know, I, I've gotten some complaints from some people that have said that these videos are too long. But then the vast majority of people that watch them say that they're good enough, that they, they like it the way it is. So, you know, I've... I've I've been debating on whether to condense them, but I don't like leaving. You know, some of the stuff I could leave out. It definitely, it's not. It's, it's like the title implies, it's just things that I find interesting. You know, it's not like I'm sitting there laying out the route trees and showing everybody what the game plan was and all that mess. It's just little things in the game that I found interesting. And usually, if there's a half hour's worth of that stuff, I'm going to put it in there. I think the shortest one I've had so far has been like 20 minutes or 17 minutes. I think no matter what you do, you're always going to have critics, and so you just do you. That's what I'm going to do. Just do me. Just do Ralph. Yeah. There we go. I'm just going to do Ralph. This was an interesting one. I was so excited to watch this All-22 because I felt like there was so much trench work that was done that I didn't see in the broadcast version, and I was expecting to see a bunch of little stuff here and there all over the place, but to be honest with you, the game was quite boring for the first half. If you watch the video, I think I've got maybe five plays from the first half. So it wasn't until the second half that it got good. Yeah, that it got interesting. And then still, there wasn't all that much different from the All-22 and the broadcast version. There wasn't a lot of little things that you see on the All-22 that you wouldn't see on the broadcast version. I will say this, though. What was our conclusion watching the broadcast version, our instant reaction? I don't know. That was like three days ago. (laughs) (laughs) I've killed a lot of brain cells (laughs) since then. Well, I'm going to put our secondary up there without a doubt as the number one reason why we won that game. Oh, they played amazing. They were like glue. And somehow, someway, I don't I don't know if they knew the the routes beforehand. Or Did Dirk Cutter just... not change up his playbook? But none of those guys really know it. Carlton Davis. James Winston sure knows it. Yeah. Mike but Davis I mean the it. rookies in the secondary. Well, and also it's similar to our offense. You know, said Air Curiel type offense and our defensives played against that all preseason and all this other, you know, they're quite familiar with it, but not only were we sticking to them like glue, you know, when we had man coverage, somehow, some way, it seemed like there was two guys around every one of their receivers. <laughs> this is really weird. I, it did. It, it surprised. I mean, we, there was hardly any plays where there was any separation. Even when we ran zone, our secondary would be right there. It was very, very impressive actually. And I'm going to pat myself on the back for, you know, saying all year long that we've got a good secondary. We're just waiting for these guys to catch up. You know, they're a bunch of young guys. But, you know, we've got Jamal Dean. I think he has 15 pass defenses. And he hasn't even been starting. I know. Out of like 168 snaps. That's incredible. Wow. The league leader in pass defenses has, I think, 16 all <laughs> year. at Yeah, 800 snaps almost. What? Yeah, that Jamal Dean. There's something there, man. That guy has got... I don't know. He he doesn't really play fast, but he, he's like like B.A. says, man. He's just got that length. He just seems to be able to just wrap around you and bat the ball down or, you know, be five feet away and reach an arm out and bat it down. Or He's very smooth with his motions, and he's real lanky. It's, I've never seen anything like that on, on tape, just the way he operates back there. I like it. It's different. But, yeah, our secondary was by far the best unit. They played really, really well. 
I mean, there might have been one, maybe two plays where they had an open receiver. Now, I would question the quality of the opponent, but we're talking about Julio Jones, best receiver in the league. Calvin Ridley is nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah, and, you know, Matt Matt Ryan Ryan is, you know, pretty He can make any receiver look good. Yeah. We had him uh, frazzled them. Our defensive line didn't seem to be that aggressive until the second half. That's when they really, really showed up. JPP, I'd actually written a note here uh, throughout the first half. Let me see. I had at six minutes, 12 seconds left in the second quarter, I'd written a note saying JPP still a non-factor. In the past couple of games, he really hasn't done much. Yeah. But then in the second half, man, he showed up big. I wonder yeah. if they made adjustments or if that was their game plan all along. I think having... The Falcons have to basically abandon the run, really let our defensive line go crazy with the the rushing the quarterback. Because we do a lot. You know, I mean, Bruce Arians' philosophy is rush the quarterback, stop the running game on the way. Yes. But we do watch for the run a lot. You'll see our guys, especially Via and Sue, will play the run first. You know, if it looks like there's, if there's a running back in the backfield, they will not push as fast hard and fast to the quarterback as they normally do. You know, they'll stand their guys up, look and see if it's going to be a run. And then as soon as they see it's not a run, that's when they push. But when the Falcons were down by so much and we knew they were going to pass, we didn't have to do that. There was a couple times I even made a comment on the, the YouTube video. I said, this is something that has to strike fear in the heart of any quarterback. And I showed the defensive line. It was JPP, Nacho, Vita Vea, Sue, and Shaquille Barrett Ooh. was on the defensive line. And they collapsed the pocket in less than two <laughs> seconds. It was, it was 1.98 seconds. I was like, man, you just hit. And they did that a couple of times. You know, when those guys are on the front and they're, you know, trying to stop a team from moving down the field, there's nothing you can do about it. And Matt Ryan, he's not a quick-release quarterback, right? I mean, they have those routes yeah. that have to develop. Yeah, yeah. He's not like Drew Brees where he could just zip it out real quick or somebody you know, behind the line of scrimmage. And offensive lineman's feet. <laughs> uh, the refs did a very good job. I was very surprised. I've only got one note here where they uh, didn't call hold, and it was on us. Kappa held a guy. I thought I noticed a few times there were offsides that they didn't call during the broadcast. Might have, but compared to the ref crews we've had all year long, this I, I want this ref crew every year. It was uh, Clay Martin's ref crew. Uh, this is his fifth year as a ref, and it's one of the more experienced ref crews. That, uh, the umpire was Fred Bryron. Uh, this is his 11th year. Him and Greg Wilson have been on the same crew. Greg Wilson is the back judge. This is his 12th year. His side judge is Greg Gatrue. Uh, this is his 18th year. Uh, the field judge is Nate Jones. This is his first year, uh, but he is a former NFL player, so he knows what he's doing. Uh, Gary Arthur, the line judge, this is his 23rd year. Gerard Phillips, the down judge, this is his fourth year. And Fred Bryan, I already mentioned him, the umpire, he's, this is his 11th year. So it's a pretty experienced crew. They did a great job, I thought. Although, I will say this, there was a, do you remember the personal foul called on the Falcons during the extra points after Sue scored the touchdown? No. Right. They didn't show it in the broadcast version. They just mentioned it. They said, oh, it was a personal foul, everything. Well, it was number 27 for Atlanta, Casey. He should have been kicked out of the game. What? I'm not even sure if he was. They didn't say it on the broadcast version. I think they would have said it. Yeah, you would think. But he he hits 92 Will Galston during the extra point attempt. 
Hits him, get, gets him right in the stomach with his shoulder. Two guys actually hit Golston. Golston falls down on the ground. Casey falls on top of him. As Casey's getting up, he punches him in the face. What? Yeah. And then, you know, of course, Golston gets up and is getting ready to kill the guy because Golston's twice as big as he is. And the guy swipes at Golston again in the face, right? So the referees come over and they separate him. And one of the refs is pushing Casey away. And Casey swipes at the ref's hands and knocks it away. They should have ejected him, but they didn't. Not that I know of. I wish I would have shown that on the broadcast version. Though. Yeah, no kidding. I think that they don't want to glorify that because you'll see it a lot of times when there are fights. Yeah, they'll, they'll they cut pan away. off. Yeah. yeah, they show the coaches or a close up of somebody on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Speaking of blocked field goals, Nacho. Nacho almost blocked a field goal. And as a matter of fact, I think he got a piece of it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was really cool. It was uh, it was in the first quarter. He gets through the line and he jumps up and. If he didn't get a piece of it, that ball was within a half inch of his hand. And it was so funny because the, the the ball goes through and you see him and Goldston, because, you know, Goldston's big and blocking, uh, blocking kicks, are both just like hitting themselves on the helmet. And they're just like, oh, God, that was so close. <laughs> and they're both running off the field doing like, you know, putting their arms up in the air like, oh, so close. Our defense played with a lot of energy, man. A lot of energy. They were all over the field and after almost celebrating. Every play, yes, they were celebrating, jumping up and down. Carlton Davis, Whitehead. I mean, when Sue made that touchdown, they were all over top of him. Yeah. When uh Vita Vea not batted a pass down, they were all over top of him. Vita Vea was out there dancing. He got he got a lot of celebrations in this game. He had to give some gifts on that. Gifts. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another prop, too, I would maybe put this second into why we won this game, was our offensive play calling. It was pretty good. A lot of innovative stuff, too. Of course, you know, you got the Vita Vea touchdown. That was an innovative play. Uh, but they had a designed run play for Jameis Winston. The announcer said it. He said, uh, I think that was a designed run play for Jameis Winston. And then he kind of backtracked from it, but it was a designed run play. And it was really neat. They all the wide receivers went towards the sidelines to draw the cornerbacks away. The, the the offensive line all turned and kind of pushed open a hole in the middle, and it would have worked too. I mean, it, he had a clear spot in front of him, except Vic Beasley sniffed it out, sniffed it out, and ended up coming around behind Jameis Winston and tackling. He only ended up picking up four yards, but interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting play. I've never seen anything like that before. I liked seeing that. And around they had with Scotty mm-hmm. Miller, yeah. although he lost two yards on it. Yeah, they got it got sniffed out too. Right, but it was different. I like seeing that. Yeah, and that's Scotty Miller, man. If he gets out in open space, I'm I'm anxious to see him get in open space because he's a, waiting for him. He's a fast little dude. Now, I had put another first half. Jameis played really, really well, except for that one jump pass. Yeah. That was picked off, right? Yes. And it's so funny because Matt Ryan did the same exact thing later. Oh, really? That's the pass that Levante David dropped. Ugh. Matt Ryan jumped up in the air and tried to to dump it off to the guy right in the middle, and Levante David grabbed it and started running with it before he had had it secured. But, uh, yeah, Jameis was playing really well and actually had a note here uh, in the third quarter. And then after that, he started eh, screwing up a little bit. But he, he had a really good game. The one play, this is the play that I think changed the game. Now, uh, Quinn, the head coach for Atlanta Falcons, and Bruce Arians both pointed to the uh, Chris Godwin 71-yard touchdown play as the play that changed the game. Yeah, which is funny because right after that, the next offensive drive, Jameis threw another pick. Or that was yes. the one off Adare. Yes. Uh, on that play, it is so funny. On that play where he threw to Chris Godwin and everything, that was probably the worst 
person he could have thrown to. <laughs> there was two guys on Chris Godwin. Yeah, I remember seeing yeah. that. Uh, Mike William or Mike Evans and Richard Perriman were both open on the sidelines <laughs> on either side. Yeah, I would look at that and I was like, you know, this is something I would really complain about if Godwin wouldn't have made that if catch. If it wasn't a, wasn't a 71-yard touchdown. Yeah. Which, <laughs> it's really hard to complain about a 71-yard touchdown. Yeah, it is. It is. And it was the extra effort by Chris Godwin that really made that play. Which, God, it's been so long since we've had a receiver that runs after the catch. Yeah. And he was really tackled. Yeah, he did a great job with and that. And stayed on his feet and ran on in for a touchdown. But to me, that was not the tipping point of the game. Like you said, even after that, uh, Jameis Winston threw an interception. Uh, it still seemed like you know the, the game was close between us. It wasn't until we were backed up on, I think, our one and a half or eight yards. We, we were close to our end zone. This was uh, 331 in the second quarter. Matter of fact, when I was doing the game, the video for this, I skipped over this play. I was going to put it in, and then I was like, eh, it's okay. But then thinking on it last night, I was like, man, I really need to put this play in there because it kind of solidifies everything I talk about with Jameis Winston. It was that uh, Richard Perriman pass, the one pass he caught. And fell out of bounds immediately. And fell out of bounds, a 44-yard pass. To me, that was the tipping point because here it was. We were backed up on our end zone. It was third down. It was third and seven. We were backed up on our eight. It was third and seven, and Jameis Winston scrambles out of the pocket. He didn't really need to, but he kept his shoulders downfield. He was squared up, and he kept his feet set. He had his base, so he was able to see if anybody was open as he was scrambling. It was really perfect, everything that I talk about, what Jameis Winston needs to be doing better. And sure enough, he saw that Perriman was wide open. There was nobody even close to him, and he threw the ball. And Perriman, of course, caught it. I don't know why Perriman turned around like he did to catch it and then fell down. That would have been a touchdown if he would have just caught it over his shoulder. Yeah, there was nobody near him. There was nobody near him. And uh, that, you know, to me, that's the one that changed the game because I think it really gave Jameis Winston confidence. Uh, You know, it really sparked the team up because we got out of a third and long situation. We got off of our end zone. And what me and you have been pointing out all year is that usually in the games we lose, it's because – our opponents are able to score on these long drives, and we haven't been. I mean, for a long time, the longest drive we had scored on was 75 yards. Wow. Well, this one, you know, was a, I think we started off on the 90, it was like a 98-yard drive, some crap, I don't remember. But it got us out of the end zone, and it moved us. And from that point on, we pretty much dominated the game. I think the only play they had after that was blocking the extra point, which that was Cameron Bright's fault, by the way, the extra point. Uh, 7.53 in the third quarter. Winston does not see a wide open Mike Evans on a third and two. He throws an incomplete pass to a covered Cameron Brait. This was when we were on our own 19. We ended up putting after this. But yeah, Mike Evans was wide open. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The first half of the game, Winston played really well. Uh, then in the, the third quarter, towards the end of the game, he started doing some of the stuff I don't like, you know, missing the open, not seeing open receivers, not seeing the field, scrambling a little bit when he didn't need to, blah, blah, blah. But, but then he, the he defense okay. had a good second half. So, yeah, yeah, again, defense. it balances out. Yes, defense stepped up and filled in those holes. And uh, JPP really showed up in the second half. Yeah, I think in the energized by the other guys, he is usually one of the ones with the most energy and – we saw last year when the team was losing that last game, he said a lot of guys don't keep it real, and he hates losing. So that's got to be a little draining to be kind of the emotional or the energy source of the defense and not have anybody step up. Yes. So I think he really feeds off of it, and it was a good 
team effort to get the energy up. Well, if he's the one that's done it, he's done a really good job because, honestly, he looks like the least energetic one out there. Uh, he did have some really good plays, but that's one thing you brought that up. I'm glad you did. The Bucks. here we are. We're sitting at, what, what four and eight now? Four and seven. Four and seven. Or no. Yes, four and seven. Four and seven. And we look like a team that's still trying to get in the playoffs, and none of these guys are quitting. Nobody's phoning it in. I mean, they're, they're playing hard, and you got, you got to respect that. Absolutely. I'm not a big fan of teams trying to tank for draft picks. No. Uh-uh. It kind of pisses me off. No, well, you know, you know how you feel when the Bucks lose. You know, that whole rest of the week, you kind of just bleh, you know. Yeah. And and especially that Sunday, you just want to go home and go to sleep. <laughs> so, you know, it's not a good feeling. I don't I don't want that feeling, even, you know, no matter what. Yeah. I want to win every week. I mean, I want them to be entertaining games. Which somebody else brought that up. I saw a post on Reddit they were talking about it was a uh, Eagles fan or somebody said that we should be thankful for Jameis because he's very entertaining. Yeah. And that's true. Yeah. That's Silver true. lining, guys. Very, very entertaining. Sometimes he makes you want to pull your hair out. But, <laughs> uh, Donovan Smith had a rough day. It wasn't bad. It wasn't like the Donovan Smith of old, but it was Adrian Claiborne. He's oh. got Adrian. Yeah. Adrian Claiborne's got his number. And it just seems like uh, Donovan Smith. And, and I've noticed this throughout the years that, you know, Donovan Smith just. They had a hard time with Adrian Claiborne. That's so funny. <laughs> and I, they didn't really put Adrian Claiborne on Donovan Smith that much. But when they did, man, he had a hard time with him. They should have kept him there, huh? Yeah, it wasn't really smart on their part. I always liked Adrian Claiborne. I was not happy yeah. to see him go. Yeah, I've always thought he was a good player. He's just got a motor. You know, he doesn't quit. That's for sure. Yeah, and he's not, you know, elite. But I think he's certainly above average. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. It's a solid He's going to get the job done, that's for sure. Exactly. He, he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Um, but there's, I don't know what it is, but Donovan Smith just has a hard time with Adrian Claiborne. Now, I used to play racquetball competitively, and when I was about 15 years old, I was playing in the adult leagues because I got to an advanced level where I couldn't, nobody my age was competitive enough. So I ended up having to join the adult leagues. I didn't lose a match for, I think, six years I was really dominant in the sport, and nobody could just, you know, there was just no competition for me, really. I mean, I was playing, you know, guys much older than me, too, but I was just fast and, and agile and all that good stuff. And if you didn't know anything about racquetball, it's a very fast sport. So, yeah, <laughs> I ended up playing in this uh, tournament one time, and I played this guy. This is going to the whole Donovan Smith, and usually there's... There's no matter how good you are, there's always somebody out there that can beat you. Oh, absolutely! Like the New York Giants and the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Neither right. time yeah. did anyone ever expect the Giants to have the Patriots number. Right, yeah, and they and did it some, twice. Yeah, the, the the Giants are basically a bumbling, stumbling team, and then they go in there and beat the the Patriots twice. It's just like what? They just got the there's something about them. I think it was Tom Coughlin, wasn't it? That yeah. was the head coach. Yeah, something about so. The same thing happened with me, and this is where I learned that lesson. You know, I mean, I was just in this tournament. I was just dominating everybody. It was nothing, uh, nothing unusual. But then there was this one guy, and we were playing like in a, a a a tournament where you ended up playing everybody twice, and you know, uh, it, it was kind of a well weird bracket system. So I ended up playing this guy twice, and the first time I played him, I found out he hadn't been playing, but for like less than a year. And, uh, you know, I didn't really think nothing about it. I was like, oh, this should be pretty easy. And he ended up whooping me. And I was I was furious, one, because, you know, I had a huge ego at the time and stuff. And uh, I was at furious the yeah, at the time. <laughs> I've, I've got that on the wraps I've grown now. into it. <laughs> uh, but 
was furious after that. And I was like, that was luck. It was pure luck. He just happened to, you know. And But what he did was he, you know, like I said, I played really fast, you know, slammed. I kept the ball low and uh, everything was about keeping it close to the walls and all this good stuff. And this guy would take my serves or take my rebounds or whatever, and he would just lob it. You know, just lob it up to the ceiling, and it would do this high arc. And basically, he slowed the game down. He didn't know what he was doing. You know, I mean, he didn't plan this as anything, but I couldn't play that away. And it just frustrated the hell out of me. So the next time I went to play him, you know, I was all, I was like, okay, this, you know, he got me last time, but I, I know, I know how to beat No, You had to avenge your honor. Yeah. No, he beat me again. <laughs> he beat me again. I just couldn't play that way. I couldn't slow down. And that's when I first realized, I was like, wow, everybody's got their Achilles heel. And that was mine. And that guy just, and he ended up placing like last in the tournament. And everybody was amazed. They were like, how did he place last? And he beat you twice. I hadn't been beaten by anybody in like six years. So it was very strange. But that's when I realized that sometimes some people just have your number, whether they realize it or not. And I think with Donovan Smith, that's how it is with Adrian Claiborne. He just, Donovan Smith just can't handle Adrian Claiborne. He just... He pushes him back. He knocks him out of the way. He, I think it, it might be because they're about the same size and strength. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but he just seems to have Donovan Smith's number. Donovan Smith didn't let, allow him to do a whole lot, but it was just interesting. You saw Donovan Smith struggle mightily with him more than he does with anybody else. Ryan Smith, number 29. Got to give kudos out to him every podcast, I think, because that guy is just a beast on special teams. He's changed our special teams. If you remember, before he came back from – Suspension. Mm-hmm. Our special team sucked. We were guys were getting you know fifteen twenty yards a punt on us and everything. You have Vernon Hargraves yeah, loafing, loafing out there. But since Ryan Smith has come back, our special teams has been on point. I mean, he's down there. He's the first one down on any punt or kickoff every single time. And he likes to hit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ain't scared of contact for sure. So we got to give Ryan Smith a shout out. Uh, like I said, the defensive line just killed it, especially in the fourth quarter. They were all over him. They were all over Ryan Smith. I mean, uh, Matt Ryan. I think everybody got in on it. Nacho. Uh, we actually got to see uh, 79 Patrick O'Connor and 96 Sam Ocho were out there for quite a few snaps really? in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were out there. <laughs> Was that when Matt Schaub came in? No, I think they started coming out in about the third quarter, towards the end of the third quarter. Matt Schaub didn't come in, I think, until the last drive with the Falcons in the fourth quarter. But yeah, in the fourth quarter, our defensive line was just tearing them up. So that's about it for the film review. Like I said, there wasn't a whole lot there that wasn't on the broadcast. If you watch the the YouTube video, you'll see some interesting things. There was one, (laughs) Ryan Jensen. I think it was 97 and Grady Jarrett. Who Grady Jarrett was a real handful for our whole line. That guy's very underrated defensive tackle. Uh Allie Marpet and Grady Jarrett were going at it, and Jensen comes in and hits them from the side, and they fall down. I don't know what Ryan Jensen was doing, but he ended up doing a headstand. <laughs> Got completely vertical with his feet sticking straight up in the air. <laughs> like a keg stand. Yeah, he was doing a keg stand on Grady Jarrett and Allie Marpet. It was hilarious. I actually did a screenshot of it. <laughs> oh, uh, their fullback, number 40, Keith. I think that's his last name. Can't remember. One of the last fullbacks left in the league. He got into it with JPP blocking him, and he got just a little too aggressive with JPP. And JPP didn't take too kindly to that and just tossed him to the ground, man, violently. Yeah. And it stood over top of him like, get up, say something. (laughs) Yeah, and I got to get that sound bike from Booger the other night when he was said, America, stop trying to block good tight defensive ends with tight ends. Oh, my gosh. I was was dying. What game was that? Oh, it was Monday night, so the Baltimore game. Where they just destroy... Who did they play? 
Can't even remember. It was such an ass whooping. It was bad. Baltimore's been destroying everybody. Yeah, they ran up the score like 42. I can't believe I can't remember. But yeah, I had quite a few of that in the video too. And I kept quoting Booger, so I need to get that sound bite so I can put it in the videos. Yeah, because I, I don't know. They, teams do that, and you're just like, what? I mean, why would you put a tight end, Luke Stocker, on Shaquille Barrett? Or we've done it before with OJ. Oh, yeah, OJ's we do it. not great at blocking. We do it all the time. It's, it's insane. Interesting thing. I got to looking at this. I, I was like, you know, it just seems like we've, uh, like I said, we're, we're a good football team, especially offensively. We're a good football team. So I looked it up, and we have led in 9 of 11 games. We've had the lead? We've had the lead in 9 of 11 games. The only games we didn't hold the lead was Week 6 against the Panthers and Week 11 against the Saints. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, to be a 4-7 and seven team. Too bad we can't keep a lead. Yeah, that happened in, in quite <laughs> a few games, too, where we gave, it, gave up. it up. Yeah. And I looked at the time of possession, too. We, we led in time of possession... In six of the games, in five of the games, we didn't lead in time of possession. Of the five games that we did not lead in time of possession, we lost four of them. In the six games that we did lead in time of possession, we only lost three. So we have a much better chance of winning when we lead in time of possession. Yeah. So that's about it for the All-22. You got anything to add? The Rams. That's who played Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Surprised you didn't wake up tonight at 2 in the morning and wake me up. It's the Rams. The Rams. (laughs) Well, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy your, most likely everybody has two days off, huh? Most people. A lot of people. A lot of people do. Enjoy your family. Give thanks. Three games tomorrow. Yeah, uh, Atlanta and New Orleans play. Port Atlanta, man. They've got, what, five division games in a row? Yeah, this will be the fourth one. So they had... And then then don't they they play Carolina? Yeah, they play the Panthers. That's insane. Ugh. It's going to be interesting to see if the Saints and the Panthers want revenge on them. Yeah, and how it goes tomorrow with Atlanta losing us this week, and then, you know, they've just been trouncing the other two teams in the division. Are we going to do a Friday podcast? Yeah, probably. Okay. All right. It m- might be Friday morning. That'll work. I got to cook. Friday morning? No. Thursday. Yeah. It's hard to do on Thursday. I'll be cooking all day and drinking, so in that order... All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to listen to Bruce Arians' uh, Monday press conference, stay tuned after the podcast here. It'll play. Oh, we do have one more thing, an addendum. Oh, you know what? i got some news, too. <laughs> okay. So yeah. we're not done at all. Yeah, we're not done. Never mind. Take Just that back. Just kidding, guys. Someone had commented on our instant reaction. I think it was Rarely Even, who likes to leave comments, which we always appreciate, and thought we should cut Devin White a little bit of slack. And... I agree with him. What he said was that Devin's not going to get any better with his pass coverage if he's not on the field. Completely agree. We, we're, oh, not, yeah, yeah. we're not advocating benching him. We're just saying he needs to improve in this aspect. I, I think I did say that at the first of the year. I was saying he maybe he needs to sit for a while. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, but Kevin yeah. Minter wasn't any yeah, no, better. You know, so. Kevin Winter isn't, Minter isn't any better. I mean, we're, we're asking a lot for these inside linebackers. And he's a rookie. Rookies are bad almost all the time. Mm-hmm. I learned that from Ian Beckles. Yeah, who Ian Beckles is really high on this team. Is he really? Yeah. I haven't listened to him because yeah. I just assumed that he was going to be, after the lose streak, he was going to kind of be negative. No, he's, he's he's really high on him. So, rarely even, thanks for the comment. Yes, and you, are, and you are correct. I, I, I do believe. And, you know, I say stuff on this podcast, and a lot of times I blow it out of proportion. But, you know, it's a game of inches and, you know, a step here, a step there. 
means a lot. And, you know, so I'll, I'll make it sound like players are worse than they are or better than they are sometimes. But no, I'm not advocating for uh, Devin White to be benched. I, I, I think you're correct. Uh, you know, he's, he's only going to get better by getting out there playing. Exactly. And the other players on the defense need to step up if you know that he's a liability in that I, way. I, I think, and watching the All-22, you know, that first play they had, it was like a 50-some yarder to their tight end. I can't remember the guy's name. He went straight Graham, up the middle. Jaden Graham. Jaden Graham. Yes. And watching it on the All-22, I couldn't for the life of me tell me tell whose responsibility it was. You know, and I said, I think in the instant cast, that it was the inside linebackers, Devin White's responsibility. He should have gone with him. It looked like they were playing some form of cover two shell. I don't know if it was supposed to be a Tampa two. You know, the linebacker drops back further. Uh, in the video, I said that I was incorrect in blaming it on Devin White. But then rewatching it, you can see Levante David and Devin White are jawing back and forth after the play. Basically, it looks to me like they were trying to figure out which one of them screwed up. <laughs> Gotcha. And I'm pretty sure it was Devin White. It could have been either one, though. Right. But B.A. also puts it on the veterans to... To straighten that stuff out. To straighten that yeah. stuff out. So yeah. that could have been what that was. Or it could have been Devin going, Levante, you were supposed to be doing that. Yeah. Well, you can yeah. see them talking to each other before the play as to who was, you know, where they were supposed to be, who was covering who. And Levante looked like he uh, went and covered the running back, leaving the tight end to Devin White. And Devin White just got confused with the message there. Devin White just kind of dropped back a little bit. He didn't go all the way back and definitely didn't follow the tight end. I don't know. I don't know whose fault it was, but I, I would I would have to say it was you know Devin White's. So my whole point behind all of that is that we can't blame the secondary totally for all this yardage that's being given up. You know, Devin White gives up quite a bit of yardage. He, he actually gives up more than his fair share. You know, probably about thirty percent of the yardage given up on pass plays can be attributed just to Devin White's. And it makes uh, sense, too, because if you're an opposing quarterback, you're going to pick on the rookie. Yeah, and we're asking him to do a lot. Yeah. I mean, a whole lot. He's got him. the mic, too. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 the one in charge of getting the play calling in, getting everybody in position. And a lot of times he doesn't even know where he's supposed to be. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What you got for news? Still looking. Like Greg Allman had a pretty interesting stat out the other day. People were talking about Winston's interceptions and all that, you know, the cost us the games. You know, when when – this is according to Greg Allman. When Jameis Winston has zero interceptions and turnovers, the Buccaneers are still 12 and 14. Wow. Yeah. So his turnovers aren't <laughs> necessarily the reason why we've been losing them. It's an interesting measure. Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing about stats. You can make them say whatever you want them to. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of stats. They're a good tool, but definitely not the end-all, be-all. Uh, Chris Godwin was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. He had a career-high 184 yards and two touchdowns in our win against Atlanta. He deserved it. Well yeah. deserved. We've had a lot of honors and awards this year. Man, I tell you what, the, the Pro Bowl balloting is going to be interesting because we've got a lot of guys that deserve to be in the Pro Bowl. It is amazing at how much talent we have on this team. You know, I mean, elite level players Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, Nassib, JPP. That's just on our defensive line. Levante David. Where, what am I at? At five now? Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. That's seven right there. I would have thrown Matt Gay in there if he wouldn't have missed those three oh my, extra what points. Was that? What was that? I don't know. That? It's so weird. Somebody pointed out that he has a better record statistically from 50 yards and beyond than he does <laughs> kicking extra points. You know, and I thought about that strategically. If you want to take pressure off your offense or your quarterback, wouldn't you bring in a kicker that can just boot it 
So then it's not a big deal if yeah. you don't get it that, you know, if you can't get to the end zone, yeah, you point. got a better chance mm-hmm. of at least putting points on the board. If you have somebody that can make it from 57 yards, 54 yards. It, it was funny. He, you know, he missed those three extra points, which what, they're 35 yard kicks now or something. Yeah. And then he made like a 35 yard field goal. <laughs> It was so strange. It's like, how do you miss extra points and then make the field goal? I don't know. But I'd rather him miss extra points and make field goals. Yeah. All right. That's it for me in news. I'm sure there's some other stuff we missed. I wasn't in the news mode today. I've been doing the video. So. All right. So we're going to try this again. That's going to do it all for us. If you want to listen to the <laughs> the Bruce Arians press conference, stick around. It's going to be after the podcast here. Till next time. Go Bucks. Not a lot to add. Uh, I thought it was our best complete team game yesterday, Um, other than the extra points. um, And that's so easy to fix. Matt was just a little late on his get-off, and then he hurries up, and then that's when you hit that big hook. Um, So he fixed it on the field goal. Um, The block was just really a great get-off on the guy. He still had it on one, two, six, I think. So um, we can do a little better job on the edge. But uh, Bo Allen made a hell of a play running that guy down. So, But, uh, you know, our coverage and pressure went hand-in-hand hand defensively. I mean, six sacks, giving up no, giving up no sacks. Um, offensive line played really, really well, and our tight ends. Uh, but uh, it, it's a really good win. Was that an example of, of football being fairly simple coach, that the team that blocks the best? And tackles the best, usually have a better chance of winning. Regardless. Yeah, uh, normally, normally if you turn it over twice, you don't win that early. But uh, we were able to overcome it, you know. And um, But, yeah, I, I think that's the best communication we've had on defense all year. All that time those guys, especially those young guys, are putting in uh, really showed up in this game. Uh, we had the one bust early on the long pass down the middle, and then we, we rallied, held them to three. Got it fixed and played great from there. In terms of the aggressiveness from the secondary, um, all told, they had 16 passes defense. How much is that exactly? What I'd like to see 12 and four interceptions because we dropped four <laughs> right in our hands. I mean, we should put them all on the jugs next week. But um, yeah, I mean, we were tight coverage. Our, our, they they studied it. They knew where the, what was happening. You know, they 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 were anticipating maybe for the first time that I saw young guys. I, they knew what was coming, and, and they played it well. Coach, I'm always curious about this with interceptions. Do you find from your time coaching, is it just something that, hey, they got to get it on the jugs machine more, or they just need kind of like more reps in that, or is it really just that some guys have it, that well, knack for the ball? I can't believe Levante dropped his. I think he saw himself in the end zone before he caught it because that was just pick six all the way, and he's got great hands. So it was probably – just get ahead of him, getting ahead of himself. Other other guys are DBs for a reason. If they could really catch, they'd be wideouts, you know. So they have to work at it harder. And there's a little bit of anxiety when that ball's coming, and, and they don't they don't trust it. Uh, I mean, Carlton had a had, he had one in his hands, and Jamel had one that that went right through his hands. And uh, but they're working hard on the, on on their hands, and uh, and really happy for Carlton to get the monkey off his back. And that was a 50-50 ball I'd throw every time to Calvin Ridley, and he took it away from him. Did you mention that Carlton? You know, he's played a lot of man coverage up the press. You know, he's pretty good at it. 
little handsy at times, but did you mention that he was able to be off a little bit and watch the quarterback more? Yeah, we we had a nice mix in this ball game, and his off coverage uh, is getting better, as is Jamel's. Yeah. They're both getting a little bit better on off coverage, so they're not up there every time, yeah. you know. Uh, I th- this their strength is because they have that length is get up there and get on people. But to be able to play off coverage really helps. And that's more what they did probably in college, right? It's just you get this guy and play. Press. Yep. Play, you know, even if it was quarters, they're up there pressed and playing basically all alone by themselves. Yeah. The TV commentators said something, and I don't know how accurate it is. That's why I want to ask you that as a coaching staff, you guys spent, I don't know if you said extra time or uh, more specific time on game planning for what Atlanta had done successfully the last two weeks. Um, do you credit your coaching staff that you guys spent a little like Well, yeah, if, you, if you'd watched the previous games, it was a totally different defense. Uh, it was all man-to-man press, bear defense. Uh, this was more traditional zone, cover two, man mixed in and out, you know. Um, so they changed three weeks ago after their little coaching change. And, and I thought our guys did a heck of a job of having a plan for both. What goes into those adjustments, not only, I guess, throughout the year, but in halftime, right? I mean, like fans talk about, they throw out the word, well, why didn't they adjust? Where were the adjustments? What really goes into that during a game or even going into a season? Well, you're going to see new things. It might be formation. It might be motions. So you adjust at halftime defensively. Offensively, it was where they were putting the safety down, weak and not strong. And we had to rearrange how we were blocking things. And it's the beauty of having Chris Godwin. We take, take the linebacker and we'll let the tackle block the safety. And he blocked him every time. And uh, so the running game really got going. It was a shame that we, we had a false start because I think Rojo might have went 97 on that one. He was out. And, uh, and we flinched a little bit. Where's that first draft? The second half was, was almost all on the ground. And in terms of just establishing separation, it goes from a, a nine-point game at the half to, mm-hmm. to being two scores and, and more comfortable. How big was just the, the play calling and the execution on the track? Oh, it was huge. I mean, it's exactly that. Get get the two scores, get them out of the running game, and let's tee off. And uh, the mix, I think we had – we might have one chunk in there. But, uh, you know, the, the mixture of the runs and, and, like I said, the tight ends – they had a handful this week blocking 300-pound linemen. But, and we made those adjustments at halftime, and I thought the coaches did a hell of a job of getting those runs going. The emphasis is, I'm sorry, the emphasis is always going to be on the quarterback in this league. Inescapable, right? I mean, that's just the game mm-hmm. right? because he has the ball all the time. But a little bit to Trev's point, um, it's, it's still the biggest team game in the world, right? He's still the most dependent player on the field. Everybody has to do their job. So yeah. when you see hey, they can run the ball, or hey, you can get a turnover and overcome the ones you just had. It sure as hell makes it look better for that quarterback. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, when when we were 30-31 run, really 28-28, because we had those kneel downs, Uh, and I don't know why they go into the stats. They kill your third downs, and they kill your rushing. Uh, But we're about 28-28, run pass, and if if you're in a game with that, you're going to have a chance. You know, you're going to have a chance. You talked about Ron Jones there a little bit, and him almost breaking that one off and it doesn't get called back. Are you seeing that kind of stuff? Is it just inevitable that this guy's going to have a long touchdown run? Oh, are, are you seeing those long runs happen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think back of the Rams, we got called for an illegal formation, and uh, he had about a 45 or 50-yarder called back. It's, it's going to pop, and, and, uh, and the guys know he can do it. So, I mean, it's a little more, let's, hey, let's get him loose. Let's get him loose. I mean, that touchdown run was a really good run. 
Godwin's obviously had a, had a great game, has, a, has had a great season so far. How much of what he's doing has to do with just that ability to extend plays after the catch, the yards after the catch? The, it, it's amazing. It it's really amazing. His run after the catch, um, I never saw it in the spring because, you know, we're not tackling. But he has an uncanny knack of breaking the first one, and uh, he's so strong. And uh, it's not like he's real shifty. He's just extremely strong and, and tough. You've been uh, in the league a minute. You can remember, you know, there's always a player or two, whether it was Fridge Perry going back in the day, the goal line, bigger guys getting the ball, Donald Penn's down here. But, I mean, with Vita, there's not many guys 347, he might be the biggest guy to get in the end zone, that have his athletic ability. When does that become a weapon? Like, when does that, because you saw how your sideline reacted to it. It's more than a gimmick, right? It's oh, yeah. more than just, yeah. hey, let's put the big guy in there and, and throw I the mean, ball. that block he made, against the card and it took out three guys and uh you know so as we put the you know we've only been in goal line maybe four snaps the whole year we don't use it a whole lot uh, so it, i've always looked for that guard or defensive player to be a fullback yeah. and uh especially if they can catch now if you can't catch yeah. probably not going to use you yeah. but uh i think the last guy to catch a touchdown for me was sean o'hara in cleveland yeah. but uh it was uh, it, it's always fun when those guys get the the ball, yeah. you know, and uh, but they earn it. They earn it by blocking. Right. It's a third down penalty in, on Indominus Sue um, that gave them a first down. Was that his best game, you think? Oh, by far. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was all over the place. Run and pass. Yeah, he was, he, that was by far his best. And he's been really good all year. With, with Jameis this year, that there's been so much of everything right now. Like he's second in the league in yards, he's second in touchdowns, and obviously you have the interceptions. How do you deal with with him having so much of everything and balancing the good and bad each week? Good question. Probably why I was no. Like I said, that's why I don't have any hair. But uh, <laughs> you know, we got to get rid of the, the bad, the really bad, the jump pass. The first, the first one was a great play by Trufant. He, he, he obviously studied the tape. That's one of our go-to plays uh, in that formation. So he just undercut it. James might need to see the, the color. He was looking the safety off, trusting Mike to be crossing his face. Uh, and, and just – but the jump pass, no, we can't have that one. We just can't have it. And, again, that's situational. In that, that point of the game, you're not having a desperation yeah. fourth-quarter drive. No, just, just eat it. Punt it. Your punter's your best friend. He had like a third down throw where he got out of the sack and scrambled to his left and just chucked it out of bounds. And I was waiting to see like almost the applause from the sidelines in terms of the recognition that. Yeah, saved the field goal. You know, gave, get, you know, because he takes that sack, we're probably out of field goal range. And he had done that earlier in the year, and that's his growth. From an interesting point, we saw Murphy bunting, but then we saw him kind of running in the locker room. Are, are there any? Right, I think he, I think he's going to be okay. It looks like we came out pretty clean. I'll get to since we have today off. They're coming in a bit late, so.